Hey everyone, welcome to the Eagle Community Church of Christ podcast. This week we kick off our study of the Holy Spirit and what you're about to hear is our kind of overview kickoff class that really lays the foundation for what we'll be covering further. Uh, We cover really how we've been influenced in the churches of Christ uh, to what we believe about the Holy Spirit. I hope you'll find it interesting. We'll just jump right into it right now. Thanks for listening. How are you? Good. Good to see you. It's been uh, two weeks since I've basically stood in front of you, so that's, uh, I, was, I was ready to get back. Last week, had a good week at uh, my friend's church in Mississippi. They have shared a preacher for a little over 60 years now with another congregation, so two churches and so uh, I filled in for him and took a little pressure off of him. So his morning routine is to get up and uh, drive 23 minutes away to the first church, do class and service, drive 23 minutes back, have about a 10-minute break, go across the road from his house to where he, does, he preaches again. Then he does the Bible class that he did that morning at the other church. He does that in the evening. And so I filled in for him for all of that and... I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad he's doing it. I would need a few a uh, few more mental breaks than uh, than he gets, but uh, it was certainly certainly good to be down there with them. And uh, they were they were kind of our family at Harding. And so when we moved away, it was it was tough. Um, it was tough to to leave leave folks you get close to. And and today that's you guys. We we miss being with you. Uh, it's it's funny how quickly it goes from nobody we don't know anybody y'all don't know us to man I miss those people most of those people yeah I mean you know hey Shirley uh, glad you're here this morning <laughs> it's just just messing well I challenged you a couple of weeks ago to uh, uh, that would be we would be here doing the study of the Holy Spirit and I guess you guys are the ones who cared about that okay so. We'll give, uh, give the others a hard time. But just to lay out, this is kind of the oddball class this week as we begin this. And uh, if you remember, as I explained it, what we're going to do is kind of like what we've been doing in our small groups uh, is we're going to have a sermon today. And then next week, we're going to have a class period devoted to the same thing that the sermon was devoted to. So I will come and I'll make up some questions to ask you. But what I want you to do is as we go through the sermon... I want you to think of all right questions I have about this topic and things I really want to talk about. So the class time is going to be our time to really kind of deep dive even further into those questions. That's to me that's the important thing. This is where I have the most fun is class uh, because we can we can learn from each other. We can ask those questions and it's one of those things where I think a lot of times when we're sitting in the seat we always think well I must be the only person that has that question. And then you ask that question, and that hits on something so many people were thinking. And so I think that's, uh, I think it's a very important time, and I hope you'll be here for it. This morning, what I'm going to do, you're going to get, both in the class and uh, the sermon, is going to have a little overlap because I think it's important to to kind of see and kind of lay a foundation uh, about our beliefs. Uh, about our beliefs about the Holy Spirit. And so I'm going to kind of lay that out. We're going to have some, uh, some time at the end uh, that I want you to be thinking about questions you have right now as you sit here today uh, that you'd like to see answered over the, the period of, of this series. 
And I've kind of left this, this series as an open-ended thing where if we have more questions and things we need to dive into, we'll just do that. And we've got, we've got the summer to do whatever. Uh, and if we get through it and we feel like, yeah, that's, I've kind of had my questions answered, we will, we will go on to something else. So, um, like I said, just be thinking about those, those questions that you have. Uh, where we're going to start today is really our understanding of the Holy Spirit and where that comes from. How many of you grew up in churches of Christ? Okay, large majority of you, okay. So tell me this, how much was the Holy Spirit mentioned in your church? How many of you would say not a whole lot? Okay, how many of you grew up in a church of Christ that the Holy Spirit was mentioned a whole lot? Okay, good, yeah, far less. Uh, and that was my experience as well, not, not much mentioned. We, like I said, we, we knew about God the Father. We love him and what he's done for us. We, we love Jesus and the sacrifice he made and the Holy Spirit. Don't know what to do with that. Next verse. That's kind of the way, way I grew up. And so um, those of you not raised Church of Christ, you will uh, hopefully will benefit from this as well this morning. Uh, because what we're going to talk about is, again, the way we have come to think about the Holy Spirit. And if you're like me, you, you come into Bible study or the way you think about things, and you think all of this is just my conclusion. Like I have come to this conclusion, and what we forget is that we have all been influenced in some way from other people. Maybe you had a, a preacher who, who you loved and was very good, and you know what he said or what he thought about something was kind of that shaped the way you thought. Uh, and that's a lot of influence comes from those type of things. And in, in our movement, which is called the Restoration Movement, from Alexander Campbell and Barton Stone, uh, both of them Scotch-Irish uh, Presbyterians, they decided that what we need to do is go back to the Bible and figure some of this stuff out because they looked around and thought, I don't know that a lot of this is scriptural that they were seeing. And so the way opinions and thoughts were shaped back in the Restoration Movement times was by having either debates, and that could be a public debate, but that could also be, I am going to write something in this paper, and you are going to respond in your paper, and everybody's going to argue, and somebody eventually comes out a winner. And that's really very influential and we may not even know it. So there's two people I want to, uh, to talk about this morning. Robert Richardson and Tolbert Fanning. And in 1856, and you're thinking, 1856, there's no way they influenced me. I guarantee you they have. We just don't know it. Uh, they had a back and forth in their own papers. So uh, Richardson was a, a good friend, Alexander Campbell, and would write in the Millennial Harbinger, if I could say that. And then Tolbert Fanning, he started things like the Gospel Advocate. You heard about that. Those of you in Churches of Christ probably have used uh, some things from Gospel Advocate. Uh, but Richardson and Fanning differed on the Holy Spirit. Richardson looked around, and what he saw, what he perceived was that we have a lot of the form down, like 
We want to do the, the right things in the right ways. But he said, there is no spirit here. There's no like excitement about what's going on. We're just so focused on we want to do this thing in this way that we've abandoned the Holy Spirit. And Fanning would, would go the opposite way and said, well, what Richardson's just want to do is put this mysticism out here. It just everything has to be spiritual. It's kind of, you know, blaming them for being the other way. And so they, they had this kind of back and forth. And what's kind of ironic is Fanning would tell Richardson that you're just into the, all of these philosophies. You know, we're in a movement where we're trying to say only the Bible, right? We get things out of the Bible. The Bible tells us what to think. And Fanning looked at Richardson and said, you're just following all these other philosophies. But the irony here is that Fanning was following a philosophy, basically word for word. And what uh, is influential is uh, the teachings of, well, if I can get this to go forward, come on now, John Locke. You heard of John Locke? So the Lockean philosophy uh, is this. Our senses are the source of knowledge. So I need to be able to hear, see, taste, smell. What's the other one? What am I missing? Feel. Feel. Thank you. Touch. Yeah, I need, to, I need to be able to do that or basically it doesn't exist. And Locke would say, since God and spiritual things cannot be experienced by the five senses, we are entirely dependent upon the Bible for any knowledge of or contact with God. And this is, this is exactly what Fanning was, was putting out there. That there is no need for, for anything else that God has given you scripture, and, and basically the way to interact with God is God has given you scripture, you go to scripture, you learn from that, and that is your way to God. Any problems with that that you see? What do you think? We all read it differently. We all read it differently? Yeah, that's a, that's a problem that we have, isn't it? Some, some couldn't read it all, yeah, okay. So we are, we are entirely dependent on the five senses in the Bible, and some pe people can't read, some people read it differently. Okay, there's an issue there. It says, in short, the Bible and human senses provide the only pathway to the human soul. And that's a problem. Do you feel like this is your way to interact with God? And, and before we, uh, you can probably hear in my voice, I am not for Fanning's position. I don't want to uh, get here today and bash Fanning, but just to recognize that uh, this has kind of influenced us over, over the years. It says the, the system has been termed the dirt philosophy due to its dependence on material things. So I have to be able to sense it with all the five senses, so... Where is the room for spirituality? Spirituality, if I can speak this morning. Spiritual things. Where does that come into play? That's the sixth sense. The sixth sense, there you go. That was a movie, I think. Uh, was he dead or something? Yeah. But yeah, you, you see the focus on we need to take the spiritual uh, out of this thing. Uh, which way do you think Southern Churches of Christ went? Richardson's way? 
We need to introduce more of the Holy Spirit and uh, introduce more spiritual things or Fanning's way. We need to focus on the, the form and function and kind of leave spiritual things out of this. Fanning all the way, yeah. That's, that's really the way most southern churches of Christ went. And so without even knowing it, uh, you know, Fanning was a, uh, a really big fan of Locke. He didn't even recognize it at first when Richardson said, no, you are following John Locke to a T. And his defense was, first of all, he said, no, I'm not. So he completely denied it. But over the course of the, the back and forth, finally, he admitted that, okay, what, what Locke says is, is good, but it's not a philosophy because it's truth. So he just said, you know what, I'm, we're going to take the term philosophy, which he was railing against. But no, because he says it and it's right, it's truth. It's not actually a philosophy. <coughs> And so um, that, was the, that was the back and forth here. So um, one of the things, uh, one of the tests, I think that uh, one of the best tests that we can have of where we stand. Uh, how many of you, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, like things come up in your mind that make you uncomfortable? Things like you might, uh, if you've gone to a church that was charismatic, that people are running around, people are making all kinds of of noises, dancing, all of that kind of makes you uncomfortable. I remember my, my buddy who went to a charismatic church when uh, I, we were probably in elementary school, I don't know, but he looked at me one day, he said, you mean to tell me you guys just sit there and listen? Yeah, that's all we do. <laughs> Sounds pretty boring, doesn't it? <laughs> Y'all just sit there and listen? Yeah. And, and so I think a lot of times we, we have a reaction to uh, the Holy Spirit in a way that uh, when we bring up this topic that you, you're thinking of something, something very specific. Now, uh, as we've already covered, Fanning is the, the person that we followed in Churches of Christ. Fanning is uh, his way, and again, following John Locke is the way we kind of all gravitated towards because the Enlightenment is where we kind of started thinking, okay, we, we can put names to all these things. We understand a lot more. And, and so it really took God out of it. You know, because I know how the heart works now, you know, there's no need for God. And what I think we had forgotten at that point is who makes it all work? Who gives it all life? Who makes it all move? And so... Uh, when we examine this, I think uh, one of the best tests, if you're, if you're thinking, you know what, I think Fanning's way sounds pretty good. I like that, and maybe I'm more comfortable with that. The question you need, to, you need to ask yourself is, do you pray? How many of you pray? Not only do you pray, how many of you pray expecting or desiring God to do something about it? I prayed this morning before Ethan drove us to church. Amen. <laughs> Hedge of protection. All the hedges. All the hedges. And you got you here safely. And you got you here safely. So that that is the test, and actually, that's what Richardson brought up to. So so Campbell was a friend to both men. Um, Richardson had worked with Campbell at the Millennial Harbinger. 
uh, Tolbert Fanning had been on like preaching expeditions with uh, Campbell. And Campbell actually leaned the side of Fanning uh, to the point where Richardson and Campbell had their friendship broken up for a while. Uh, and by the way, Richardson ended up writing the, the biography of Campbell. They trusted, the family trusted him that much. So it, so it broke up, you know, people's relationships. But both Fanning and Campbell were devout men of prayer. And so Richardson said, why even pray if you don't expect God to do something? And so that is, that is your test as far as do I... Do I believe that, that God does anything today that through his Holy Spirit? Is there, is there any direct connection? Because with, with Locke's philosophy, there is no direct link to God. It is me and the Bible and whether, I, whether or not I get smarter from reading it. Okay? Any questions about that? Any thoughts? Yeah. I, I just... I. My background comes up here, but, you know, I, I think my experience growing up, I grew up in a part of Louisiana where the Church of Christ was very weak, but mm -hmm. the charismatic churches were very strong, so they were just all around us, and it was a lot of sermons and Bible classes where it was just make, literally making fun of them, mm -hmm. and, uh, and that, I think the consequence of that is that there was no discussion of the Holy Spirit, there was no discussion about feeling uh, or you know how your faith should work it was all an intellectual exercise mm -hmm. people were afraid well if I start thinking about the Holy Spirit and what it can do next thing you know we're dancing with snakes or something yeah. you know so there was a total uh, totally you know just revolt to, to stay away from anything close mm -hmm. to that so we don't ever go down that, that path mm -hmm. and as a you know as a result you you can't really think your way through Jesus did and mm -hmm. God did it, it, at some point it, you know when you start thinking about the supernatural part of it I mean Jesus being raised from the dead and some other things it's not logical you can't you can't get there with logic you have to have something more than that and it, you know it, I, I heard uh, a story one time where Elvis uh, met with the Church of Scientology and uh, when they left Told his wife, his wife asked her, well, what do you think? And he said, well, they're all head and no heart. And I thought that was a good way of, <laughs> kind of summed up the way I felt we were headed. Is we were trying to do it all head and no heart. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't, you can't just get there. I, I can't. Maybe some yeah. people can. But my faith is based on as much of what I feel as what I think. Sure. But how much, and the question to the rest of the room, how much focus have we had in our churches over whether or not you believe the right thing. And we put much more focus on that over are you actually doing the right thing. Like we come together and we're about agreeing on that thing. And then we kind of break, huddle, and go away. We're okay with not doing it. But you better believe the right thing. Come to that intellectual point. Uh, what, what he said there about, you know, kind of their church's reaction to uh, being, you know, uh, around a bunch of charismatic churches is actually the exact uh, thing that Campbell and others were reacting to when all of the restoration came about. So they would see all these tent revivals and things like that, and these charismatic groups would say, you are only saved if you have this manifestation of the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues, 
all of these other things. And, and like we do with a lot of things, we pendulum swing as far away from that as we can. And so we went from, no, you, the people would walk away from these tent revivals and they didn't, you know, they thought they were saved, but they never spoke in tongues or anything like that. And so they, they didn't know what to do. I guess I'm not saved. And Campbell offered them by going to this Lockean philosophy, all you need is, is your mind. Now, I think we would all agree you don't have to have a manifestation of, of speaking in tongues or anything like that for salvation. We don't see that uh, in Scripture. Some people have it, but even when, when Paul's discussing this in 1 Corinthians 14, uh, 15, 16, somewhere in there, um, he says, you know, not everybody's going to have it. You can desire those things, but not everybody's going to have that. But, but the reaction was, we're going to go so far away from this that we're going to take all of this out of it, okay? And so I think, um, I think what I've got queued up next, I need notes sometimes. I, I'm just too hard-headed, I guess. Um, if it's not, I'll set it up and look like a fool. I don't know. What I want to give you this morning uh, that we won't have in the sermon is something to wrestle with. I want to, I want to start with a question. Do you believe healing happens today? Do you believe God heals? Or do we pray and someone is healed and we think, ah, it's probably the doctors. We pray for the doctors, right? Nurses, everybody taking care of the person. But does God heal today? What do you think, church? Yes. Okay. And sometimes two doctors, but sometimes yeah. without doctors. Yeah, okay. Okay. Now, now some of you, if you don't know, think that, now you're scared to say anything. That's okay. Uh, found something cool this past week. Um, Rebecca's already seen this. Uh, Katie's already seen this, I know. But basically, uh, there's a pastor named Dwayne Miller. And Dwayne was pastor of a pretty large church. Uh, but he got sick. He had this, uh, I don't know what all was wrong with him. Can't remember what all he said. But basically, at the end of this, uh, this sickness, this illness, he was left basically with no voice. He had some kind of injury to, uh, to his vocal cords. And uh, he just talked like this all the time. And so much so, the doctor said, we can't tell you that this will ever heal. And so he resigned as pastor of his church. He said, because you guys need someone to take care of you who can actually speak. And so he went from pastor to private eye. And he said, the only things those things have in common is they both start with the letter P. But he did that for four years after this injury that he, and, and resignation from his church. But he was asked one Sunday to come back and, and teach a class, and he said, I, don't, I didn't want to do it at all. Um, he said, if I could have gotten out of it, I would have. He didn't want to do it. It's kind of, a, uh, kind of a reminder of what he had lost, you know, and, and being able to speak. If I, if I lose my voice, that is a major toll on my life, right? Um, but what we see in this, it's amazing. I want you to see this. Let's see. I'm going to get through these scriptures real quick, and I'll come back to them. I'll come back to them. Oh, you got it? Okay, click on the, click on the video. All of my diseases, let me say to you that. 
I believe God still heals. That hasn't ended. That is not over. Now you have to be careful about how you do this because there are folks who carry things to an excess and it becomes a show. And God has never intended that that be what it is. God heals in his sovereign will. I don't know why God does things that he does, but I know that he does. And the only thing he requires of me is to allow him to be God and me to be me and let it be. To say that every single person will always be healed because Jesus died on the cross is a misinterpretation of scripture. Not true, won't work. Isaiah 53 doesn't talk about physical healing. I'm sorry, that's just not the context. And to impress that there causes a misinterpretation of scripture. That's wrong. On the other hand, to say that, since we don't have anything after the book of Acts, that miracles ended at the book of Acts and they never happen again is equally as wrong. Because you have put God in a box both ways. And he doesn't want to be in a box. So the psalmist says, I'm excited. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. One of his benefits is that he heals all of my diseases. And in verse 4 he says, and he redeems my life from the pit. Now I like that verse just a whole lot. I have had and you have had in times past pit experiences. We've both had, we've all had times when our life seemed to be in a pit, in a grave. And we didn't have an answer for the pit we find ourselves in. And I don't understand this right now. I'm put over the ground at the moment. I'm not quite sure what to say or do. satisfies my desires with good things so that my youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. The Lord is compassionate and gracious. The Lord is slow to anger. The Lord is abounding in love. 
a one will not accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve, that's mercy. Or repay us according to our iniquities, that's mercy. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. Chase, would you put that up to the scripture where the scripture started? What just happened there? <coughs> what just happened there? <coughs> Four years after, while he was reading through the scriptures, you hear that voice coming back. And he doesn't even know what to do with that. That brings chill bumps to you. Uh, you, can, uh, uh, you can go back and you can see uh, Dwayne talking about this. Again, his name is Dwayne Miller, D-U-A-N-E, if you want to look him up. Uh, he ended up writing a book after this, too. But you hear the shock in his, in, in his voice. I don't know what to do with this. Because there at the first, you can tell he's trying to project. He's trying, and it's just this. Wheezing, basically, right? And you hear it slowly coming back, and, and he explains that he just felt in that moment as you read the scripture, just all pressure that he had had for four years go away. How many of you are skeptical, like by nature? I'm pretty skeptical by nature. And uh, scripture talks about we should test things, and that's okay. That is okay. But I think at some point we've got to look ourselves in the mirror. If we are skeptics and, and say, do I really believe this? Do I really believe that God heals? Do I pray for God to heal? And do I give God the credit when he does? When he heals in, in our own life? Um, and, and what I liked uh, about that whole thing is, is he talked through it and he said, listen, God is not going to heal everyone. To come and think that it's... Uh, that because God can heal, that, that everyone gets healed or anything like that, that's just not the case, right? And what I want to point out to you is that everyone that, that God or Jesus healed in Scripture, they eventually died, didn't they? Sometimes we forget that. And sometimes we think death is, is God just not being there. Well, everyone, even the people that God saved, eventually died. That is part of life. We don't like it. I don't like it. But it's part of life. And whether that comes on from old age or someone else being careless or stupid and killing, it is part of life. But I think when we see some of these things, we ought to give God the credit and God the glory. Everything I looked up on this guy, I, I didn't see anything that said this is any kind of hoax. And to me, you can hear it in the audio. Uh, it's just not, you're not faking that. And like I said, he'd quit his job for four years because of it. Just what an amazing thing. There's some scriptures I want to uh, kind of have on the forefront of your mind as we go through this. Because uh, one of the things that, that we've wrestled with, what to do, kind of what about the Holy Spirit um, since Acts, is a lot of the questions we have had is, is the Holy Spirit still active, okay? Uh, again, taking you know, Fanning's approach, we, well, no. Uh, God has given us scripture, and that's all we need, and that's all we go with. But I want to point out some, 
some scriptures I want you to keep uh, throughout this series. Uh, Acts 2.38, Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so that your sins may be forgiven, and you will receive the gift of what? The Holy Spirit. Okay? So, uh, a question that we have to ask here, Fanning would say, is that uh, this was only for those people. This was only for those people. Uh, now, Scripture never says that it was only for those people, but that's what Fanning would say. These are only for those people right then, both the apostles and the people that were uh, having the Spirit poured out on them. What about the repent and be baptized? Is that only for those people? That's what I'm saying. That's, if you're going to say it's only for those people, how much other stuff right here is only for those people? Okay? That's something I want you to wrestle with. You don't have to respond right now, but something I want you to wrestle with. Thank you, Heath. Romans 8, uh, 5 through 17, we read this uh, at Easter. We read, I think, 1 through 17 that, that day. Uh, but for those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, set their minds on the things of the Spirit. To set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For this reason, the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh. You are in the what? Spirit. Since the what dwells in you? Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. That's a tough verse if you're, if you're going with just the senses. We're just going with senses and what I can, what I can uh, grow intellectually or how I can grow intellectually. Uh, since the Spirit of God dwells in you. Again, Paul's talking to Christians. He's talking to, to people part of the church. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. That's as strong a statement as I can get this morning. Okay? And so when we, when we come to the Holy Spirit study, you've got to have this on the forefront of your mind. But if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is alive because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies also through his spirit that dwells in you. So, you don't have the spirit, you are not in Christ. If you have the spirit, what you are promised is the same power, the spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead will raise you. I don't want to throw that away. Anybody else? Like, I want all of that you can give me, Lord, uh, that dwells in you. So then, brothers and sisters, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption. Remember us talking about that on Easter when we cry, Abba, Father. It is that very spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. You see this interaction here, spiritual interaction. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if in fact we suffer with him so that we may be glorified with him. Does any part of that sound like this is going to end? And you're not going to have this. No, there's nothing in Scripture that, that even suggests that. 
Um, from John 14, 15 through 18, if you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate or some translations, helper, uh, to be with you. How long? For a short period of time. Uh, I'm just giving you this. This is not going to make sense to other people because they're not getting it, just you guys. No. As Jesus promises this, and Fanning would say he's just promising the disciples. I don't believe that at all. Uh, the advocate will be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. That sounds like the senses right there, doesn't it? Uh, you know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphaned. I am coming to you. That is a promise of the Holy Spirit. And in John 16, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the advocate or helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Can you imagine Jesus sitting here this morning and he says, you know what, guys, Eagle community, it is better that I go away. And we go, huh, Jesus, you've lost it. You don't know that. We're glad you're here. We've got some good cooks here. We're going to keep you fed. It is better that you stay. And he says, no, it is better that I go away so that you get this advocate or helper. And when he comes, he will prove the world wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment, about sin because they do not believe in me, about righteousness because I am going to the Father and you will see me no longer, about judgment because the ruler of this world has been condemned. A lot of times when we think of the Holy Spirit, we again uh, go to that mental picture of uh, running up and down in aisles or you know, speaking in tongues, but what was all this? What did he just say the Spirit's going to do? Convict? What does that look like in your life? That the Holy Spirit convicts you of things. Well, somebody tell me what that looks like. It doesn't look like anything. It feels like something. Uh-huh. Anybody ever felt convicted of something you did or did not do? Or is it all head knowledge? You ever felt it? Tell me. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Like to help someone or like, you know, you're busy and you don't really want to be bothered sometimes, but you know, you feel convicted, like this is the right thing and it's, I know that I'm being called to do this thing, so I'm going to do it and even though it's yeah. hard or inconvenient or whatever. Yeah. But it's not a... It's not a logical thing because logically you can talk yourself out of it. But it's sure. Yeah. How many times is, is our response logical? I mean, that's, that's the thing. Is we can certainly talk ourselves out of it. You ever talked yourselves out of uh, giving money to someone asking for it? Well, they'll just go over and buy alcohol. Well, I'll give them food. Instead, well, guess what? If you gave them food, then they don't have to spend money on food. Now they have more money to go spend on alcohol. Now what are you going to do? Right? We can talk ourselves out of anything. Uh, but the Holy Spirit is there to convict. It was uh, the other day at, uh, uh, on 146 right there at the corner getting off of uh, the interstate. There was a lady sitting there and I think it was Logan that said, Dad, can we give her money? And we were like, I don't know, five or six cars away. I said, well, I don't think she's heading this way. And we got up there, and 
And we drove by, and she was sound asleep. I mean, she was rocked back in the sun. And uh, you, you heard, you heard kind of this. You know, he's trying to wrap his mind around what all's going on. He said, "Well, we couldn't have given it to her anyway. She's asleep." And I, I was, I was convicted in that moment. Like, man, we should have. I should have just, you know, I would have had to stop the flow of traffic because, like I said, we were so far back. But uh, I should have just done it just to see, just so my son could know. Yeah, we can, we can give. Uh, to people who are asking. We don't have to be skeptical. And, and guess what? I, I got my toe stepped on one time. I, I asked a question about how do you know when they actually need it? And, and the person responding worked and worked with uh, different groups that were underprivileged and all these things. And they said, you know, church members walk around all the time just worried about these things. And what's the worst thing that's going to happen? Somebody's going to get over on you? Like, like you're, God hasn't blessed you enough that you can get over that? Because you were given it anyway. But we walk around with a scarcity mindset serving a God who gives generously. So what do you do with that? I think that was all the, uh, the scriptures I had up there for this morning. What I want to, we've just got a, what time y'all been shutting the class down? 45, Scott? Yes. <laughs> 45. Four minutes. So we don't, so when Scott gets up, okay. We don't have a bell in here. Just assume Scott is the bell. Um, questions that you have either about this morning or things you would like to see answered, questions you've had about the Holy Spirit. Uh, you can even phrase it as my friend wants to know, and that's fine. My friend sent me this morning, and, and they would like to know X, Y, Z about the Holy Spirit. So, questions. What do you have going forward? Thoughts that you'd like to see explored? Anything challenge your, your upbringing? I, I think the question I had from the scripture we just read a while ago, maybe you can dive into this later, but it talks about the Holy Spirit being an advocate for us. I don't know what the Greek word is behind that or what it means, but I'd, I'd be curious to wonder what does that look like? Is it other places where it talks about that? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I should lay this out. Is what we're going to do in this series is, is really touch on all the things that the Holy Spirit does in Scripture, and that will be, that'll be part of that. I'm curious about the connection with Hebrew Scripture and, and the New Testament. Because we just have such big gaps, <laughs> or I do, mm -hmm. um, with with uh, Hebrew scripture. So I think understanding maybe what their understanding was of the mm -hmm. Spirit, and then how that changed with Jesus, or I don't know, just the connection between the two, I think would be interesting. Okay, absolutely, great question. Other thoughts. Question or thought? Or okay. It's always, you know, I believe that healing happens. Okay. Obviously, I said that before. But it's odd to me that sometimes you feel like, why this guy and not that guy? Yeah. You know, especially when it comes to age. Yeah. You know, it's not some old geezer that's ready yeah. to go anyways. <laughs> yeah. Or <laughs> you know, some small child. So that, that's always. That's the hardest part? Yeah, absolutely. Great question. I don't know if there's an answer. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, 
I don't think there'll be a Sunday where I get up and you go, oh, yeah, well, okay, well, we got it figured out. We got it figured out. But, but I appreciate you saying that because that's, that's something we all wrestle with. Uh, you know, why did, uh, uh, you know, the, the young man that, that died here, what, six, eight months ago from a, you know, a tumor he had in his brain stem, why did my son have to go to a funeral of a kid that small? Uh, those are things we wrestle with, you know, absolutely. Uh, and we'll, we'll absolutely talk about that. Okay, other thoughts? Questions? I got some good ones. And that is Heath, not Scott. Hey, hey, there he is. Last chance. Anybody else that, I mean, we may cover it anyway, but if you've got something that you question, what about? Anybody curious about spiritual gifts? Does that make you nervous? <laughs> we'll probably talk more about that in these class settings uh, where we can actually have questions back and forth. We'll, we'll mention that in the sermon, but, you know, not as much. We'll cover that. All right. Well, thank you so much for being here this morning. Hope it's beneficial to you. And um, we'll, put, we'll put the class stuff online as well. Thanks for being here. You're dismissed. Thank you.